Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I've titled this last message to the ends of the earth because the nurturing idea is, is, is that God wants to use all of us and expand our lives and the influence of, of the kingdom of God through us uh, to the ends of the earth. And uh, there are people on the other side of the world right now. I've got a friend that I just talked to living in Padova, Italy, who will be here in the fall. And I remember when he uh, met me at Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida, and he was from Western PA, and I was from uh, Cumberland, Maryland, and, uh, and then he's been in West Africa, he's been in Greece, and he's been, and there are people like that I know that never in a million years would have thought when, back whenever, that they would be where they are. But whether you're on the other side of the world or you stay right here and your world is right here, God wants your world and your life to expand beyond where it is spiritually. Nurturing is a timing thing that God wants to do in all of our lives so that he can launch our life. This past Wednesday night, I was able to sit in a small group at growth track and with about seven, eight other people, different age groups, and we talked about our personalities. Did a personality study, and uh, it was great, and we talked about our similarities and our differences, and there was a lot of me too that took place, and a lot of, wow, that's cool and different, and uh, that was great. I just want to say, if you were in my group, uh, every one of you that were in my group touched my heart, and I've been praying for you. Uh, hearing, hearing you open up a little bit about what you like about your personality and what challenges you, and, and I told you some of my stuff too, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and been praying all morning for this message, um, that the Lord would, uh, I just really want the Lord to release a, 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 a vision in our heart of his heart, of his heart, and that he would help us to really, really have a, a, a new, a renewed hunger to make full proof of our, of our own in personal life before him. And so I want to tie this together with this last message to the ends of the earth. I was thinking about uh, people that I know that have really Im- impacted my life in the kingdom of God. And I really appreciate Dustin choosing that song today. I want to sing the oceans out of that song, if you know what I mean. That was a good one. It's like, I don't... Never mind. You you know what I mean. Um, What there's a there's a there's a trait with people that I've met from the time I was a young man uh, at Central Assembly and off at college and through ministry in the South to here wherever a common trait that those that have inspired me the deepest uh, have. The way their heart is devoted to his heart. And, and these people that are willing to go all the way with the Lord. And I want to share with you what that trait is in a few minutes. But before that, you know, I've been 
I've been wrestling with uh, preaching about what's going on in, uh, in the Ukraine and what does that mean in terms of biblical eschatology, last things. Does it mean this or that? Well, um, if you listen closely, I'm, I'm talking about that even without talking about it, and especially in this message today. Um, someone might say, well, why aren't you really going into it? Well, there has never been a time at any time in the history of the church, from the time the Bible was finished for the next 100, 200 years, every believer saw their world sort of like what our world is like now. And at many times it was worse than it is now. But the message of the Bible is that God is in control. And whether this is leading to this is that, or whether this is just another this as we continue to look way down the road toward this is that, or whether this is that. We have always been told by the Lord to live our lives as if he could come. Because no one knows when that will be. And when he was on the earth, he didn't even know. And he said that we are to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And when he comes back, he wants to find us being good and faithful Awake, alert, servants. So in this time, here's what time it is. You want to know what time it is? It is time for you and I to bring our A game. There was a kid, uh, there's a kid who plays for Bishop Walsh, and the la- his name's Mikey Allen. I don't know him. But after watching what he did last night, hitting a buzzer beater, our friend requested him. (laughs) I thought, I watched it. I was like, dude, I wanted to do that my whole life long. I used to do that in my backyard all the time. Nobody was guarding me, but I was just, that was that guy. And he did it two nights in a row, dude. Mikey, Facebook, Team McGee. Anyway, you're cool, man. Man, and Duke lost, so I'm really fired up. Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. But it's time for us to bring our A game. Man. So what does that look like? It's time for us to really understand our real responsibility. Look at this verse in Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Or you're the Lord's light. So walk as children of light. What do do children of light bring forth? Well, they bring forth the fruit of light that consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Aletheia, remember? Reality. God's people are bringing reality into this crazy, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. And that word test there means that you show how life ought to be. Uh, You show to people who don't know how to walk, how to truly walk. And then he says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not just walking, but how. Well, how? Not as unwise people. Didn't he say in the last days not to be foolish, but to be wise? 
not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So, he's talking to believers, don't be foolish. The Greek word for foolish is moronus. You figure that out. Moronus. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Be under an influence, but may that influence be the Spirit of God. In this time in which we live, I ask you again, the wise and the foolish uh, virgins, the wise had oil in their lamp and they were ready and the foolish were sleeping and they let their oil go out. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have to understand our real responsibility right now. Now, God has made all of us responsible, but not everybody has the same responsibilities. But each one of us have a responsibility based on what abilities God has given us. He has made us response-able. There are some things that you wouldn't want me to help you do. Like, if you're working on your car, you don't want me there. If you're cleaning your car, I'm not coming there. But, <laughs> but there are some things that I can do. And there's some things that I can't do. And there's some things you can do. And there's some things you can't do. And we're only going to be evaluated. And we are going to be evaluated by the Lord. But only on the things that he's given us the ability to do. If you can't walk, he's not going to evaluate you that you didn't, couldn't walk. But if you can walk, he's going to evaluate how. Our evaluation by the Lord will be based only upon what he's given each of us individually. But, oh, here's the thing. Do we know what those things are? Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, right? Look at this text. I underlined certain things. We are to move from were, because all of us at one time was a were. Some, we were in what? In darkness. That means we were sinners. We were lost. We were depraved in some form. We were not only broken, but we were in disobedience to God. We are to move from were to a Now. We are now God's light. And we're to walk as children of light, which means even with being children of light, we can choose to walk in the darkness. And there's a little bit of that out there, right? Or, right? It's strong. It's intoxicating. And what might appeal to you in the darkness might not appeal to me. And what might appeal to me might not appeal to you. But I have this other part of me. Do you have this other part of you that for some stupid reason, and you used to think it was smart, but now that you've been raised up to, to see, now you think, but there's still some times that, why am I pulled toward, is it just me? 
what it's, look what I've underlined. Pay a careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time, the need and the conflict that's in the world right now. What can I do in my life, in my circle of life, that, sh- that shows goodness, righteousness, and truth? The days are evil. And because the days are evil, there is a pull from the world to make my my discipleship become moronic. To be intoxicated by things that I used to be free from. And the only way to keep myself wise and in the light is by being filled with the Spirit. That's my responsibility and yours. Jesus wants to influence every nation on earth to the ends of the earth until the end of the world. So you and I have to understand our real responsibility Now, we all know that, but what motivates me to give, serve, go to church, and what is the king's highest motivation, what, what does he see that in my life, the way I walk out knowing him, that really touches his heart? What is it? I'll tell you what it comes from. People, people who live that way, it comes from this. They understand, not only do they understand their responsibility, They understand real redemption, meaning this. He freed us to be captured by amazing grace. We were a were. Do you remember when you were a were? Um, Listening to some of the stories in Growth Track, I found that some people were a real were until they came to LOH. And didn't realize they were a were. And then the other thing I found from some people is they were a were going to a church. But they didn't get much word that God could use to shine a light that it's time to quit being a were. And hearing the story and how blessed they attribute that to God that out of all the people in the world that he providentially worked in their life to come across the path, not only of a person but of a church or people, that he could let them know that he's wanted them their whole life long. Do you remember when you were a were? How were were you? I was a were. I've got a friend that 
We used to whir together uh, back in our high school and early college days. And uh, never thought I would be doing this. I was going to be a power forward for the Boston Celtics. Didn't work out. I never grew. That's the only reason. Three more inches. I'd been, and I would have been on the team at the same age as Larry Bird. Man, that would have been great. And I also wanted to be a Beatle, and I didn't grow up in Liverpool. And a lot of things I wanted to be. A lot of things I didn't want to be that I kept on being, because that's what you do when you're a whir. But God, do you remember when he, do you remember when And we all have similar stories. We have different stories. But do you remember when? Where were you when you didn't find Jesus? He found you. And it's all different. Some people are in a church. Some people are at mass. Some people are watching a preacher on television. Some people are driving down the road. I have a friend who got saved listening to Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. Go figure that one out. Mark, you got an answer for that one? You know what I'm saying? I don't get it. I listened back. I didn't feel the Holy Spirit one bit. I like Eris. But anyway, God is so big. He can do so many things. He's not bound by anything. Hmm? But do you remember when you went from a word to a now? But now. Come on, anybody in the now right now? Come on, four Christians in this room. We are on the move, baby. How many, come on. You remember when you... The now, when the now. We were a word, but now grace freed us. And, and grace is still flowing toward us. People, we've been captured by something. But God didn't want to capture us. He wanted to captivate us. Look how it says it in Ephesians 4. Now grace was given to each one of us according to how big of grace? According to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, and he quote, he's quoting Psalm 68 here, when he ascended on high, I love the word play, he took the captives captive. He took the words and created a now. He took the captives captive and gave gifts to people. He not only captured us, he captivates us and then pours gifts into our life. Every one of us. So what does this mean? It means he set us free from one kind of captivity to grace us into a better one. Everybody is captive. And everybody's captivated. And the words are captured by a power that's destroying and deceiving. And the nows are captured. And he wants us to continue to be captivated. There's a, common, there's a commonality of the people that I've known throughout my Christian life who are deeply, listen, deeply devoted not to church, not to their ministry, 
But they are devoted to their church, and they are devoted to their ministry. But these people have that thing. You know what it is? They are devoted to the heart of Jesus. Do you know people like that? Christ is their Christianity. You got that? Do you know anyone like that? I do. There's been people like that I've known. And some of those people were professors, retired missionaries who came back and mentored my life. And you know what? Some of those people, I know know a person like that that is right now dying of uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, my age. Never complains about it. I know another person with this kind of heart that from the time I knew her, she was bound to a wheelchair and struggled with muscular dystrophy and raised six kids on one income and is one of the sweetest people I know. That's always smiling, goes to church, has a ministry, but loves Jesus. And you know what all those people have in common? This is it. They have never gotten over his rescue operation of them. Never gotten over it. Some people are not only captured by Christ, they're captivated because they are as grateful today as decades have gone by off the calendar. They are as grateful today for his forgiveness, for his mercy, for his generosity, that they are bound, but they're bound to please his heart. A real nurturing environment the goal of it is, is, is to have hearts like that not informed people that know the difference between transubstantiation and that's great and sprinkle or a dunk and what's the evidence of the spirit filled life and is it pre mid or post or pan-tribulation, it'll pan out however God wants it. What is, what is, what, oh, well, this or that. Is he a heretic? She, what do you think about this kind of creed? What do you think about that? Oh, that's all, oh, there's, maybe there's a place for all that, but there, but, but. The Sanhedrin looked down and saw Peter, James, and John. They took note that these were uneducated men, but they knew they'd been with Jesus. I know people like that. Do you know people like that? They don't need an evangelism program. They don't carry tracks around in their pocket, leave them on the urinal in the bathroom for the kid to come and clean it up. Oh, geez, there's another one that's crazy. You're going to hell tomorrow. You know, woo, that's impressive. (laughs) Thanks for telling me. A lot of good news there. Woo! That captivates me. And there are these people. I'm going to describe one of them to you in a minute. 
They don't see living for Jesus and giving their life for him as an obligation, as a have to. They want to. A real nurturing environment can create that kind of heart. And that kind of heart doesn't even have to leave a hometown. And Jesus can make that kind of heart be a testimony to the ends of the earth. Because people like that live at a certain place around the Lord. Let me tell you where that place is. At his feet. Remember John the Baptist last week? I, they, they thought he was Elijah. They thought he was this. They thought he was the Messiah and all this stuff. And he said, no, 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 I'm a voice. I, my life has is, is, is come from a, from a manifestation of the scriptures and I'm an incarnation of that living voice that's going to prepare the way for the Lord. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I'm a shushbin. I'm the, I'm the bridegroom's friend. And I just rejoice to hear his voice. I want to decrease. I want to, and I'm not worthy to even unlatch the sandals at his feet. There's this girl in the Bible that's mentioned a couple times named Mary. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, and not Mary of Magdala, but Mary of Bethany. I'll tell you about her. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, we find her. She's been mentioned before in a couple other places, and she's also mentioned in the other Gospels. But here's where we find her. Six days before the Passover... And actually, this Passover that's coming is the one where Jesus will be arrested, beaten, rejected, left, betrayed, and crucified, and rise from the dead. Six days before that Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Notice where Lazarus was. Look at this. The one Jesus had raised from the dead. Do you know, I don't want to commit the sin of getting used to it. I remember the first time I read that story. 17-year-old kid with his hair on fire that Jesus just dropped a bucket of heavenly love down on on a Sunday morning in a Wesleyan church up the road up here. And I went home and found a Bible that I'd had since I was a little kid that I never read. And I opened up and started reading. I read the New Testament in about a week. I just, not because I had to. Because I thought, what else in the world matters now? Nothing. i got to catch up. And reading that story about Lazarus. Dude, have you? Anyway. So it's after that. They're at La- hey, if someone died and then you're at cracker barrel and they walk in the place, are you going to sort of like go, I don't think I'll ever forget this. <laughs> Lazarus was dead and now he's alive and he's eating with Jesus in your house, in Mary's house. That's her brother, by the way. How would your life be affected if somebody that you love died and then came back to life again? Martha, the other sister, was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. Now, here's it. What would your life be like if somebody that you loved had died, 
and came back to life again, would you ever be the same again? Let me ask you this question. Do you have anybody in your family that was lost and got saved? Do you know every person that's a now and used to be a were and it's a now, you have never lived a day in your life since you've been born of the Spirit when you weren't living in a resurrection environment. Come on, come on. We are in a resurrection environment in this room right now because there are people in here with a living spirit. Do you know that you and I, if you're born of the Spirit, have something in us that even after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, when he's seated at that table, he did not possess? Jesus raised up a man physically but he still didn't have the Holy Spirit in him because the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not been glorified. And so that means that until Pentecost, if we would time travel back right now, we would have the Spirit that was in Jesus in our body and Lazarus wouldn't. You and I live in a culture that pushes at us, calls us, woos us, and deceives us to think we are just like everybody else. And we are resurrected beings walking among the dead. Amen. Walking among the dead. God help us see that. When you believed, you went from a word to a now. You and I are more alive right now than Lazarus was when Jesus called him out of the tombs. That ought to add some holy to your holy crawl weekend. That's an extra shot. I wonder how many that were crawling yesterday crawled into church this morning. And someday, with Lazarus, whether you're in the grave or standing, he's going to shout, and our whole being is going to be changed from corruptible to incorruptible in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet and the dead will be raised incorruptible. I'm telling you, man, there is something to look forward to and that something is a someone. He's going to crack the skies. It's going to be worth it then. This Mary was captured by the merciful work of Jesus, not only toward her, but toward her family. And she saw Jesus raise her brother from the dead after he had been dead four days. And listen, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave, Mary had lost her faith. Because Jesus didn't show up for her during the time frame that she, with the, from the bottom of her heart, asked him to. And so when Lazarus is dead, Martha hears that Jesus has come and she tells Mary 
And Martha goes to see Jesus, but Mary stays home. But now, where is she now? If you've lost all your faith due to what hasn't happened for you, you're in my club. But I stand as somebody that by the grace of God can look any of you in the eye and say, when I thought I lost my faith, Jesus didn't lose his faithfulness toward me. You don't understand what I just said. And so Mary, it's, it's not enough for her to sit at the table. Mary comes out of somewhere in the next verse. She takes a pound. Everybody say pound. A pound of perfume. And then John, I love John's gospel because all the way through he adds these little parentheses. It's almost like he's saying, and it was pure and expensive nard. He does this all the way through the gospels. And Peter and John ran to the tomb. But John got there first. By the way, I'm writing. He does that all the way through. I love that part of John. And he anointed Jesus what? Or she, I'm sorry. What? His his what? These people with this commonality, they're always at his feet. She anointed his feet and then wiped his feet with her hair. That's where these kind of people position themselves. Captivated people are at his feet. And then what happens after she releases the perfume? So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. One of the metaphors in Ephesians about the church is it's the house of God. And if the fragrance is to fill the house, everybody in the house has to release their treasures at his feet. A pound A year's wages of an average laborer in Israel. That's how expensive that was. Pure nard. Look at the next verse. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why? Wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, doesn't that sound spiritual? Hmm? I mean, isn't that the most important thing in the whole wide world? Now, John adds this. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of it, would steal part of what was put in it. I had a joke for you. What do you call a Pittsburgh Christian who doesn't give their gifts back to the Lord? 
a Pittsburgh Steeler. I didn't find that on the internet. That came, that came straight from the Lord. You know, Malachi, hearing God, because the people were bringing not their best offerings to God, he says, tell them this. Well, ask them this question. Will a man rob God? And they answer, how have we robbed you? And he says, with your tithes and your offerings. What was that? Six days before. I think that means in six days we're supposed to get our act together. So, remember last week I said that the body matures by being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies? We all should be supplying in this joint. Because that's what causes the body to build itself up. Now, the thing I've always found out with these people that I've talked about, never, ever have issues with these kind of things, unlike Judas. But I've met people, I've met all kinds of people in the church world. I've met rich people. I mean, really rich people. who were very generous and then I've met rich people who thought because they gave their riches they had the right to run things and I've met poor people who were less generous than rich people and I've met poor people who were more generous But I've never met anybody that had many problems with anything who was always or most of the time consistently at his feet, captivated by Jesus. In the next verse, Jesus answers Judas and he says, I love this, leave her alone. Look closely. She has kept this for the day of my burial. I would say it like this. People who keep the cross in their eyes are like this. And then look what he says. For you always have the poor with you. You always have the poor. You can always be about, hey Judas, you can always be out there doing your generosity thing with the poor. You can always do that. But you don't always have me. You see the difference between the ministry and the Messiah? Do you know there's a higher calling than our ministry, and it's a ministry to the Lord? There's a ministry to the Lord to bless His heart. There are people that when they pray, bless Jesus' heart. There are people who, when they do what they do, bless Jesus' heart. The Gospel of Mark takes us to this very moment and adds some other things to it. Look at this one. This is in Mark 
uh, chapter 14. Look at this. It says, okay, she has poured this out on his feet. And, but look at this. I underline. But some were expressing, Judas wasn't the only one. Mark's the first gospel. John probably writes his 25, 30 years later. Three decades maybe go by. And we've gone from Mark, first account, which is told to him from Peter. Mark's first account says that there were more than one that got indignant about what Mary did. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a voice of a group that said, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. It's talking about influence. I'll sit over here. It's talking about influence. Morons can create more morons. One religious spirit that hides their real heart behind ministry to others can create other religious spirits. Anybody ever been to where I've, what I'm talking about? Other religious spirits that can look godly. And the root of it comes from being captivated. Judas was about to be captivated by the devil. And one of the last things he talked about before being captivated by the devil was how the ministry of Christ should help the poor. There are all kinds of gates that we can open. To receive any kind of spirit. Do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And the only way to not be drunk by the seductress spirit of the age. Is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you don't always have me. And I, l- listen to this. She has done what she could. See, you're not responsible for anything that he doesn't make you responsible for. And this is, this, this is for all of us. Here's what she did. She, I underlined it. Oh, I did. Anyway, you can underline it. She has, here it is, anointed my body. What did she do? Let me ask you, did Judas anoint the body? Did Judas say something that could have been said, amen to that? Helping the poor. Could have had more than one amen in that business meeting. Ever been in one of those? I've been in one of those. She has anointed my body in advance for my burial. And listen, I tell you the truth. Wherever. Now we're back to where I started. This is why I titled this message what I titled it. Wherever. The gospel is proclaimed in the whole world. Here's what I want in that Bible. 
from Jesus. Judas, you're going to be in the Bible. And thousands of years from now, nobody's going to name their kid after you. But if you don't put anything in that Bible, I want this. When the Pakistanis read it in their language, when those in Yemen read it, what she has done will be told in memory of her. In a Jewish rabbinical book called the Ecclesiastes Rabbah 711, it says, the fragrance of good oil is diffused from the bedroom to the dining hall, but a good name is diffused from one end of the earth to the other. It's not the amount we give. I'm talking about your gifts, talents, your time, your money. It's not the amount. It's this. Does what you do become something that Jesus will never forget? People who go through a discipleship program and your doctrinal discipleship program never is as weird as Bethel's. I'm just joking around. Or Hillsong's. Or whether... But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If our discipleship program creates religious spirits that mask the fact that they're doctrinally sound except for the tithe issue, they got an opinion on everything, but when money comes up, they change the subject. man, that was good. No one's going to quote that one. That's not going to be on the Tim McGregor video that goes out this week. But that was really good. Because the devil knows how good that was. A discipleship program creates people. that create these scandalous sacrifices to God that touches his heart. And he doesn't need one thing from us. But that kind of thing touches his heart. You and I can get caught and captured by a religious ritual. We can get back under the influence of things that God has freed us from where we can continue we can continue to be captivated or become captivated by the mercy of Jesus to us I want to end it with this Paul says in Romans 12 therefore brothers and sisters in view of the mercies of God here's your motivation I urge you to present your bodies as a living 
sacrifice. Holy and, where, here it is. Pleasing to God. This is your true worship. In other words, live your life that the room fills up with the fragrance. The eyes of the Lord, Second Chronicles prophet said, the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, search to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to make himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely his. That means the greatness of his power and his presence comes when we release to God that kind of great love. And that kind of great love comes from an awakening or a reawakening to his deep love for us. Last night, I had, I'd written this, and I, I was going back through the thing about Mary, and it really bothered me. I, I got so convicted. I was in a chair, and I got up, down off the chair, and I just got down on my knees, and I thought, Lord, how can I preach this? Mary, I, 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 God, I need to be at the altar. So a little got down and I, I I just I began to think of different ways that I hold my heart back at times from the Lord and I don't like it I don't like that I do but I, I began to think throughout all these years of just different ways that I have held my heart back from the Lord and, and sometimes I've done that with my time where I've held back my time from him he wanted time with me and I knew he did you ever known that? and I didn't give him that time I stole it from him and he doesn't need time with me he wants time with me Sometimes I've been lazy at crafting out the things that God has given me the artistry to craft. And I know I have. I've been lazy about it. And I'm reading this about Mary. And I just got before the Lord on that last night. And I thought, man, there's times I get so sidetracked and so double-minded when it comes to trusting him or, or, or taking a step of faith or going all in on something. And I could compare it to you or I could compare it to you and you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't know it. Nobody would know it. But Jesus knows it. And it's not that he's like going, oh, Jesus. It's not like that. It's a different approach. It's like... He knows it. I don't want him. I don't want to be known by that. 
I know that's part of the human condition. And I know the Lord, he does deeply understand that at times that's the way all of us do. And he's so deeply patient with us. One of the things that moves me so much to just say, God, all of it is because of how patient Jesus has been with me. Dear my. And as I'm talking to him about this, as he always does, I felt him grace my heart. As he always does, and I never deserve. And there last night in my apartment, there I was and on my knees and I'm just telling him all that and bringing out the inventory list. I think it moved him that I noticed it and I, and then I felt him grace my heart and and mercy come and love come and and I just said Lord tomorrow when I'm with my friends and I'm behind this pulpit representing the apostles and this woman's sacrifice grace us so I'm going to ask you to stand I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and open your heart His heart is still wide open to you and me. This is because this is who He is. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us to do what you do best. Show us who Jesus really is. Remind us, Lord, of things we've forgotten. Remind us, Lord, that there's something greater than the Egypt that you broke us free from. Remind us that there's nothing that we're sacrificing in light of what you've sacrificed for us. Remind us, Lord, that when we were yet sinners, that's when you died for us. Remind us how even with our little bits, we touch your heart. And as we've walked this long road, and sometimes a lonely road, and it's weary, you understand it, and you come right now to offer us more grace. As your apostle James said, he gives more grace. And I pray with hands out, eyes closed, and hearts open, that you would, because you're so merciful, and you're so good, Lord. You're so good. I can't put into words to describe adequately how good you are, Jesus. There is no Christianity without you. There is no church without you. There's no ministry without your touch. Jesus, 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 you're the only thing that's ever and will ever make me interested in anything about church. Jesus, Jesus, please. Go through this room and grace us, please, because we want to touch your heart. We want to touch your heart. We want to touch your heart. And so, take us there. He's not far from any of us. If you feel like you have no business being close to Jesus because of the way you've lived, join the club. And it's to people like you that he says, if anyone comes to me, I will never turn them away. 
So come to him just as you are and you'll find him just as he is. Merciful, forgiving, kind. Be honest with him and he'll change your life. He'll raise you from the dead. Let's have a resurrection right here, right now. Find a place before him and let him grace you today as I will as well. And let's touch his heart in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.